Welcome to week 10 of the Cover 2 podcast. Uh, this is J-Mac. We're joined by our boy Tim Kelly, as always. Uh, the two of us sitting here. No special guests like last week. Kind of sad. Just the two of us sitting around a table on a lonely, rainy night. Yeah. Cold, rainy, sad. Pretty, pretty dismal all the way around. Uh, we got a couple things we'll talk about. Uh, we're going to look at the national title picture as, as uh, the game of the millennium uh, approaches us, apparently, in Columbus. Yes, apparently. Uh, that's what the folks are saying. Uh, we're going to have the uh, – Tim's going to regale us with some stories from the Auburn experience because, let's face it, I, I don't – Tim was the only one on the podcast last week who picked Georgia to beat Auburn. Yep. I, I was saying, we had – me and Kerry uh, had the faith, and uh, we oh. followed through. And, and I will say that – I, I I said that I I thought that we um, we might win I, I thought that we had a good chance just because of I, we hadn't put a real a real game together all year long and I thought that if that ever happened we certainly had the talent to hang with anybody in all of college football I think and it was just the sheer amount of miscues all year that have held us back and I think you know if you, you could look back on this whole season and probably point to you know maybe seven or eight plays that if they just go the other way now we're you know maybe one loss or you know it's, it's going to be hard to erase that Tennessee loss but there's other ones you know there's other three I think that they could easily be uh, rectified but I will I will say the carry all week long and the entire drive <laughs> to Auburn was saying that we were going to win she's and right from the beginning she's like I got a weird feeling I got a weird feeling I think we're going to win we're going to win and we did. Your wife is brilliant. She she's, is. She is sort of Nostradamus-like in her yeah her, her ability. To and she has started growing a Nostradamus-like beard. Which well, that was happening before anyway. Yeah, we just call it that to make ourselves feel better. Yeah. Um, you should have her buy some lottery tickets for us. That'd be yeah. nice. Right. Okay. I think the jackpot's sixty-five million now. Is it really? Yeah. She she said she'd be willing to buy lottery tickets if everyone pays for them and she keeps ninety percent. That's a lot of money, but still $65 million. I, I'm bringing home like $5 million I didn't have before, so that's Yeah, cool. and she has Nostradamus-like skills, so it's almost guaranteed that you yes. will win. Yeah. It's $5 million for nothing, pretty much, is what you're saying. Exactly, so I, w- I would take that. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about the game of the millennium, Ohio State-Michigan. I think we should try to keep thinking of new ways to describe this, to make it um, the game of the history of the earth, possibly, the... The, the greatest event um, in the history of man. Right. I mean, I think this rivals the discovery of fire, is what they say. Wow, really? Well, that's what they're telling me on ESPN Radio. This, is, this will be the, uh, the event at, at halftime when Jesus choose to, to make the second coming? It, well, I mean, he would definitely get a lot of press attention. Dot the eye. Right? Jesus dotting the eye in the <laughs> <Wow>. second coming. <laughs> wow. Now that would be an event. But is he a Buckeye fan or a Michigan fan? I, I refuse to believe he's a fan of Ohio State. Mm. I don't know. They, I mean, who cares? They're the same school to me. They're like Michigan State or <laughs> we run the ball a lot. Ohio again, yeah. It's like, I don't care. They're the same exact thing. They just have different colors. <laughs> it's really cold, and we like to run the ball about forty times a game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll talk about that. But I guess the the first thing we'll dive into really quick, and I hate talking about it because um, I, because. I'm of the mindset that you can't complain about celebrity um, overexposure because the consumer buys into that. The more people magazines and TV guides you buy, the more entertainment weeklies uh, you watch on TV, uh, the more you do that, the more they want to give you more celebrity news. However, 
the OJ interview thing is just too bizarre for me. It is. I I, I keep reading stories trying to find <laughs> the the logic or the or, or the is there a joke? I you know I keep thinking it's April first or something. And where how in the world is this even possible? I I don't know what the well I know what the premise is. I I suppose he's writing a book or he is ghostwriting a book or he's working with another author to prepare a book, but Fox is putting together their thing, which is in focuses on um, if I did it, here's how it happened. Right. And it's a two-part interview in which O.J. will hypothetically, and I use the quote marks, go through how he would have killed uh, his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and then um, her friend or her sister who was there. I, I can't remember who the other uh, victim was, was. I think it was a friend of hers. No, it was uh, her supposed lover, right? The, uh, was it? Goldman? I, um, yes, I think that's right. I yeah. think that's right. Um, it's been a long time since I saw the White Rocco being chased down on yeah, right. the LA Expressway. But um, so this is this is bizarre, and they were talking about this on the Dan Patrick show today. Um, he said that this was worse because he, I think, the understanding is Fox is paying OJ um, a large sum of money to do this, and he said that was worse than when ESPN paid Barry Bonds to do a sitcom show. I think it's apple and oranges because you know putting. O.J. Simpson on is, I don't know if it's like putting Manson on TV, but <laughs> right, yeah. it, it's putting an obvious train wreck on there. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, this is this is probably worse, or not probably, I would say definitely worse, just considering that there were, uh, you know, you're talking about two people who died, so that their loved ones <laughs> now have to be subjected to the, you know, <laughs> mostly acknowledged murderer <laughs> making money off talking about how he did it but didn't quite do it yeah. I enjoy the mostly acknowledged murder right. it's, it's you know they said you weren't guilty but come on yeah. let's, let, let's be real here <laughs> now, now what, what was your favorite I mean we're going to have to dig back into the recess of your mind but you, you recall obviously the, 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 the chase on the freeway uh-huh. in that whole Episode. What was your favorite memory standing out? Because I imagine you were glued to the TV like the rest of America. Uh, as far as just the Bronco chase? Well, we'll do just the Bronco chase, then the whole, I guess, fiasco that followed. Well, yeah. I, you know, the Bronco chase, I think it was just... Uh, the best part about it was how slow it was moving, I think. You know, <laughs> okay. it was just... You're just always used to such you know high speed chases, and this was like going like thirty miles an hour. And then another, uh, his friend, also another football player, AC Cowling. <laughs> Was the one who was talking on the phone with him. I, it was just so bizarre that you, you could think that this guy used to be a naked gun was like cowering in the back in like practically the trunk of this Bronco while his other football player friend is like screaming at the police, you know, talking about how he's going to commit suicide. It was, it was incredible. And then I think the best part after that was that it pretty much propped up Saturday Night Live for about three years. <laughs> Hence the famous Tim Meadows skit when he returned to NBC Sports and he did the, <laughs> yeah. on the, the chalkboard, he wrote, I did it, mm-hmm. when he was doing the diagram with the play. Um, I really enjoyed, um, I, I, was, uh, I was on the phone, this was back when we were in high school, I guess, and I was on the phone with Zahn, of all people, and he and I were watching it. I think he called me and said, are you, are you watching what's happening? So we were talking through it. And there was this brief point where he finally pulled into the house, and I guess O.J.'s son walked out to confront him and ask, you know, why are you doing this? And A.C. shoved the kid, like, pushed him through a window, and then for a split second, the whole world thought, someone's going to get shot here, and it's going to happen on live TV. Right. But, uh, 
I, I don't think, do you think we'll ever see anything of that, that, that grandeur again? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, celebrities are so effed up that something's going to happen. You think, like, possibly Britney Spears will, no, I think K-Fed's yeah. going to lose the divorce thing, and he's going to take the kids and hold on Exactly, I was just about to say that, yeah. He's going to steal the kids, and then, yeah, probably, <laughs> I don't know if it would be another low-speed chase, but. <laughs> I just remember, I, they blocked off the entire interstate for the guy to do the chase. Right, yeah. I mean, Helicopters, police cars. Like, they never thought to try to put cars ahead of him. I mean, they had plenty of time. He's only moving 30 miles an hour to right. put cars ahead of him and try to Were stop Were they concerned him. about if they did that, would, would he, you know, coerce suicide or something? I, I, I don't really know. <laughs> I, I need to read more books about this. Actually, no, I don't. I don't need to read any books about this. That would be a complete waste of time. But if someone could tell me why they, they did that uh, so slow and not stop them immediately, yeah. Yeah, it it was it was. Imagine definitely. if you were in rush hour traffic, that would have been a pain. Yeah, that would really suck. <laughs> I wouldn't have cared. I'm like, well, yeah, just let him kill himself. I had to get it home. <laughs> it's OJ freaking Simpson. He hasn't done anything since he left the Bills. Come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Now, what was it? Was a uh, Norberg his name on uh, the Naked Gun? Nordberg, I think. Was it Nordberg or Norberg? I don't remember, but I, I he in, in the first one he um he was severely injured in like the opening scene and he was in like a full body cast the remainder of the movie. Right, yeah, he got injured on the boat where he kept like, you know, he put his hand on the stove <laughs> and then he kept like falling into stuff and then at the very end he gets, Frank Drebin slaps him in the back and he's in the wheelchair and he falls off the edge of the uh, flies Angel out of Stadium. Yeah. Uh, also the scene where um, just before that they uh, were chanting, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I remember watching that thinking, holy crap, I mean, this is, because I didn't, you know, we, I didn't grow up with O.J. Simpson, so I, I just grew up with uh, the random dude from Naked Gun. Yeah. So for all I knew, it could have been Leslie Nielsen driving the white Bronco. True, right, yeah. Which, you Or know, George Kennedy. <laughs> and all this may happen, you never know. <laughs> yeah. I think, think George Kennedy's dead. That's kind of a shame. Yeah. He was, he was the, the sidekick, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember his name, but yeah, the guy, Frank's little... Yeah, partner. Those really were underrated movies. Yeah, they should. You know how they they re uh, they they digitally mastered and touched up the Star Wars. They should do that to the Naked Gun trilogy and really, yeah. re-release them. And just put in like all com- computer animated new scenes. <laughs> exactly. Like Star Wars did. <laughs> well, like you know, they can include the edit this the uh, the, the cutout scene uh, with Jabba the Hutt uh-huh. from the first one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that that'd be good. That would um, that would fit in seamlessly with Naked Gun. <laughs> really? Yeah. I really think so. Yeah. And there's a lot there's a lot of Priscilla Presley in the movie too, which is entertaining. Yeah, and and in Star Wars too. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she she was the original Princess Leia. That's a little known fact. And then they just put her in the Chewbacca suit, which a lot of people don't know either. <laughs> there you go. And that's her actually doing the Chewbacca scream. Well, and I think if you watch Naked Gun, you can pick up hints of that when she's yeah. um, talking to to Frank. Particularly in the full body condom scene. <laughs> exactly. Is it a chew? Is it a Chewbacca scream or Chewbacca roar? I don't really know. It's More a, like a grumble. Grumble. Growl, maybe. How about a growl? Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. Um, we got a lot more out of that than I thought we could. Mm-hmm. We even breached into the naked gun. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk a little football. We'll uh, we'll do we'll we'll lead into our Ohio State Michigan uh, look with first. We'll go through some national championship scenarios and the realist and I. Um, God rest his soul. Our, uh, no, he's, he made it through surgery. He's, he's, uh, he's, he had a brief sabbatical, doing fine, recovering well. Everybody, uh, we, we send our best to him. Um, the national championship game, uh, or uh, potentially we know it's going to have the winner of Ohio State Michigan for, for certain. 
Um, and then it could be anybody else. Now, the realist and I were debating, and if you go to our blog, uh, the cover two at imarealist.blogspot.com, we, he is against Rutgers being in the title game. I am for Rutgers being the title game if they're both unbeaten. So, um, now, where do you come down on the unbeaten Rutgers scenario? If Rutgers is unbeaten mm-hmm. at the end of the year, that, that's going to mean that they beat Louisville mm-hmm. and West Virginia right? Uh, in the last three weeks or four weeks. Three or four weeks of the season. Two top ten teams. Yeah. And essentially would have done the exact same thing that everyone was saying that West Virginia and Louisville were going or had to do right. to put them in the national championship game. Right. So, yeah, I think if Rutgers goes undefeated, beating West Virginia and beating Louisville, and they put a one-loss team... Even an SEC team. Even an SEC team. Over them, I don't know if I necessarily would say, yeah, that's absolutely the right thing to do. But the, after watching the media and everybody throughout the entire season, I think you would have to blow up practically the BCS if you did that. Well, because I- it would make no sense to let... To, to have everybody jump on the West Virginia Louisville bandwagon saying, oh yeah, these, yeah. this is a legitimate team, they're, and they're undefeated, they should play the national championship. But if Rutgers does the exact same thing, the just same because their name is Rutgers, they don't get in. They don't get in. Well, and I think the other thing that was brought up to me by, uh, uh, by Paul, who runs Classic Ground, um, who is a strong, strong Notre Dame fan, Paul was saying, and I agree with him, and I put this in my argument, that... If the Big East is a BCS conference, and they're one of the premier conferences, and it's, you know they have three teams in the top ten right now, it's hard to argue with that. If a team in that conference goes undefeated, I don't care who it is, and they're the only other unbeaten team, and they don't go to the national title game, then something is very wrong with the whole system. Yeah. Not taking anything away from the one-loss SEC teams, or if Southern Cal or Notre Dame has one loss... But if you're unbeaten, and they've beaten, like you said, West Virginia and Louisville, and they've won against other BCS schools, they're granted it's Illinois and um, North Carolina, but um, they SDS teams. You really can't fault them too much for their scheduling right now because I don't think anyone thought Rutgers would be at this level right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a lot of the criticism that West Virginia and Louisville probably got a couple years back. But they right. just, they've started scheduling stronger as they had more success. But, um, yeah, if you beat if you beat both of those teams – and who knows if they'll beat West Virginia or not. But it'd be hard to keep them out of there. Um, particularly if, you know, you look at it, you could have, because if you go to the one loss, you pick. You've got, you could have Florida or Arkansas with one loss. Notre Dame or Southern Cal one loss. Michigan if, if or Ohio State loser would have one loss. Um, Wisconsin has one loss right, right now. Yeah. Um, Wake Forest could have one loss. Yeah. How do you, how do you pick from those teams, you know? Right. And if you pick Arkansas over a one-loss Southern Cal team, Southern Cal can, can say, well, we killed them 50-14. to 14 at, their own, at their own house. So Yeah, and I think you know it would be different if we were still treating the Big East as we were last year, if we were treating them like that the whole year, like a not-BCS conference. But mm-hmm. it, with, with the, the past two Thursday games and the huge amount of ESPN fanfare and the nonstop you know, press coverage of the Big East, and the, you know, mm-hmm. now it's for real, everyone's talking about it, you know, they've made it into a legitimate conference. Like, and so if Rutgers does it, then they're going to have to live with the monster they created. Yeah. You know? So I think that they're going to have to. Yeah. I mean, if they don't, it's just it's just completely hypocritical. It's so ridiculous. And I know it's not there. It's not a, so much a choice. But I guess 
the human voters are going to... Rutgers is number two in all the computer polls. Yeah, they're number two and number three from what I've seen. Yeah. Number two or number three, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty much all on the human voters. And so if the human voters are still putting them down at... Particularly after having Louisville at number three for so long. Exactly, yeah. Four or five or six behind some one, one lost team. And, I mean, this whole thing is going to be so ridiculous. But, you know, um, if, say... Because um, I was thinking about the other day. If Ohio State beats Michigan in a close game mm-hmm. and say um, however it'll work out uh, you know Florida loses uh, to Arkansas Arkansas doesn't have enough points to jump um, Notre Dame beats USC and Notre Dame winds up being number two in the BCS mm-hmm. and Notre Dame say beats Ohio State so now you have Notre Dame winning the national and, and say Michigan goes to some bowl game and kills whoever they're right. playing so now Notre Dame and Michigan have the exact they, they both have one loss. Michigan barely lost to Ohio State to get, and they, but they got knocked out of the national championship. But Michigan beat Notre Dame pretty soundly pretty at Notre Dame. Yeah. So and and they don't even have a chance to play for it. I mean, it's it's just kind of ridiculous, you know. But uh, that's that's the BCS. And that's the you know I po- back to Paul, another Notre Dame fan. I posed that scenario to him. I said, I guess not not as intricate as you just laid out there, but I said, you know, as a Notre Dame fan, if Michigan loses. And Notre Dame has one loss and goes, you know, would you want Notre Dame to go ahead of Michigan even though Michigan beat you? And he said, yes, Notre Dame should go. And he didn't really have any real explanation for it, but I think his whole rationale was just the the, the way the, the season played out. I mean, if you want to lose, Notre Dame did it right. They lost early. And, you know, they may not beat Southern Cal. Southern Cal hasn't lost in Los Angeles since – or at the at their home stadium since I think Eisenhower was in office. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's been a long time. So I, and now that I think about it, I think, I think I read I think I read that scenario. Was it? I think it was on ESPN.com. The whole mm-hmm. the, the Notre Dame thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to take credit for it. I think it might have been, or it might have been on Cal, on Cal, Colin Cowherd. But anyway, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be. Um, well, because in all, you know, particularly for Notre Dame. Uh, it would kind of fly in the face. Their whole argument was at 93 when they beat yeah, was, Florida State, right, but then yeah. lost to Boston College, and they said, well, we should have won the national title because we Cause, beat Florida yeah, State. Yeah, the exact same thing. I mean, it just flies in the face of reason to them. Yeah. So, And granted, you know, they could, you know, all this could, Rutgers could lose to Cincinnati this week and then have West Virginia annihilate them. And But I want you to also ponder, think about the fact that we are discussing Rutgers possibly in the <laughs> national championship. I just kind of want it to happen. <laughs> I just want to see, you know, it's like, I, it was like that, you know, everyone, I think most people in the world wanted George Mason to get into the, yeah. the championship last year. You know, I, I think it's just going to be fun to see what would happen if Rutgers played Ohio State well, I or think, Michigan. I think, I think some sort of eclipse will happen outside. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. there, there was the eclipse when the Red Sox won the World Series, which, by the way, you mocked me today <laughs> for the Red Sox paying 50-something million dollars. 51.1 million. Just to negotiate. Just to with talk to the guy. Mat- Matsuki. Yeah, Daisuke Matsuzaka. Yeah, um, he and he's really. I saw him pitch in the World Baseball Classic. He's really good, um, and he's put together pretty impressive stats in Japan. But to pay that much money, I mean, that's more than like they're paying. Um, well, uh, I heard it today. Uh, just Mark, Mike Lowell. <laughs> just for the rights to bid on Matsuzaka was more than the payroll of six major league teams, including if you combined the Marlins and the <laughs> Devil Race payroll, it's, it's, they still bid more than that. And so, I mean, you're talking that, that we're getting on baseball here. This, is, this will be our off-season podcast mm. a little bit more probably. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're looking at upwards of $100 million for a possible three-year contract for a guy who's never thrown a pitch in major league baseball. 
he throws the uh, gyro ball. Gyro yeah, right. Ball, the gyro ball, I think. Which you know, if if, if it's a pita, it's a gyro. Oh, Apparently, right, yeah. it's a gyro. If it's I, a I don't know if that means pitch. that like there's feta dressing on it that makes the Probably. ball break a little bit. Yeah, it's um. There's some sort of roasted lamb on a big old stick. Wow. Yeah. It's it's. Or maybe it's just roasted lamb fat. That's. Um, it could be. Yeah. It's sort of like um the whole um the whole keeping the the, the pine tar and the ball like right. what's his name yeah. had in the World Series. Kenny Rogers, right? Yeah. He just keeps lamb fat under mm-hmm. his hat. Well, he actually on on the small of his back. Oh, okay. It's it, it's easier to hide that way. Okay. So. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm um. Uh, it's not exactly the splash I wanted to make, and then I was forwarded as well a link from uh, my my former boss, um, Jason Winders at the paper. He sent me a link saying that uh, JD Drew was on the the radar for the Red Sox, which okay. really makes me think that he's a good team player. <laughs> I don't like the way that sounds. <laughs> well, he, the only reason he is available to anybody is that he, I guess he is. I don't know if he, there was some option that he included with his with I think it was Boris was his agent. Mm-hmm. Where he could get out of his contract with LA after the first two years, it's a five-year contract. Right. He could get out after the first two years if he thought that he could make more money elsewhere. So he <laughs> he canceled the last three years of his contract, which was a pretty lucrative deal, just to go out and make more money somewhere else. He's a he's a big jerk. Yeah, I, I yeah yeah. Well, I, I also realized because um, the because because uh, uh, Boris represents Matsuzuki yeah. as well. Matsuzaka. Matsuzaka. I need to learn this thing. Yeah, he's right. pitching for the Red Sox. Because he's going to cost you about $5 million a pitch. <laughs> but um, I think Scott Boris represents every single baseball player. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably a bad thing, considering Scott Boris is inherently evil. <laughs> um, I don't think he's quite as evil as, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, God, I just had it. The guy that represents... Uh, oh, yeah. Or it's Satan. Um, no, the guy represents T.O. He's, uh, mm. they call him the Piranha. Or the shark. No, they call him the shark, I think. What was his press conference? Like, he gave the infamous yeah, press right, conference for... Yeah, right, he's, he's a little bit more scummy, I think. I, I, from what Ro- I've heard... Rosenhall? Drew? Oh, Drew Yeah, something. that's it. That's it. Something, something. Rosen something. Yeah. Anyway. He's, yeah, he's pretty crazy, I think, from what I hear. So... Go back to football. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bridge away from there. So, uh, the, yeah, those are our national title scenarios. They're, they're varied and, um, and crazy as well. Um... This leads into, naturally, we have the Ohio State-Michigan game, which the question I pose for Tim is, what other scenario in football possibly compares to what we have here? The two, it, it's the schools, each school's biggest rival, final game of the season. They're both 11-0, 10-0, 11-0, and the winner goes to the national title game, and the loser still gets to a BCS Bowl, probably, right. but, um, but not the national title game. Um, so everything's on the line. I mean, they're going to have the ESPN 360 out for this. Of course. But can you think of a college football game that has been this big? Or what other sport, what other rivalry would, I mean, I guess they were talking about it on one of the radio shows. And I guess Yankees-Red Sox game, game seven, seven of the yeah, LCS was, that, yeah. was, was pretty big. But um, can you think, I mean, can you process how it would be if Georgia and Georgia Tech or Georgia and Auburn were playing? Yeah, because it's not... It's not Ohio State Michigan for for the national title, so that's 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 one thing, you know. So I think I think the Yankees Red Sox Game Seven from two thousand four is, is a pretty yeah. equivalent scenario. I'm uh, glad you picked oh four versus oh three. All right, yeah, or yeah, oh whatever they were there every year practically. So yeah, I think I I would say that's about the same. I don't know, you know. I think it's uh, hmm for Georgia. 
It would be like uh, Georgia Vanderbilt to go to the Peach Bowl. <laughs> that, that would be the equivalent Definitely this year. Two, two, uh, two five and three teams squaring off and Actually, it's, it's, playing Atlanta. It's kind of like this year. It's kind of like because <laughs> from what the uh, the spokesman said for the Peach Bowl, he said uh, this is pretty much a play-in game. For, it, it, we, so we, exa- we had the exact same thing going Wait, on. We, next. Really? we better get ESPN 360. We, they have freaking weather reports on the bottom line of ESPN for Columbus, Ohio. I was just watching... Ball State played Miami, Ohio, which is, that's ridiculous, sorry, but <laughs> on the bottom, it was like, weather, Saturday's weather in Columbus is like 40 degrees, partly cloudy, oh, God, it just makes me sick. It, I don't know, because, yeah, I mean, I know I'm supposed to care about it, and I'm supposed to watch it, and I guess, you know, I'll watch some of it, uh, but you just, I'm going to watch Alabama Auburn. <laughs> well, it's a better rivalry, I think. Yeah, I mean... Michigan. I just don't care. Like we were saying earlier, it's like, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, I don't care. They're the exact same team. I, could, I really couldn't care less who wins. Not one iota. Well, I have I mean, I don't really care for Ohio State, primarily because, and this, a lot of this feeds, the wife does not like um, Ohio State because they say it's the Ohio State. If you, if you ask someone, where are you from, or you know, what school did you go to, and they say Ohio State, you go, oh, Ohio State. And they respond, no, no, the Ohio State. So, uh... That is kind of annoying. I would. I'm gonna go on a limb and say, but, and I've always kind of had a thing for Michigan. I've always thought they were a pretty decent little team. Um, I liked it when they won the national title, or at least a share of it back in '98. But um, yeah, I would. I, I mean, I, I like. I mean, I, I've always kind of kind of liked Michigan. I had dislike for Ohio State, but at the same time, yeah, I will not be broken up if Ohio State doesn't win because obviously Michigan's really good, but Ohio State's been the most consistent team in the country this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it, some of it. It'll definitely be the first thing I flip to when Alabama-Auburn goes to commercial. <laughs> or if the game, if Alabama-Auburn gets out of hand, then then I'll flip back over to it. And I, I mentioned if it's close at the end of the game, you know, just as a sports fan in general, I'll go watch it. I mean, I, but I, then again, I'd watch, if I was flipping through the channels on a Sunday afternoon, you know, and the Bengals and... <laughs> You know, Texans were coming down to the wire. There's like two minutes left in the game. I'll probably watch it. You know, that's how I feel about Ohio State Michigan. I'm like, yeah, you know, and I'll watch it. If I be, maybe if I you know bet in the parlay this week, uh, then I'll, I'll watch it a little bit more closely. But to me, it's you know, I don't care who's in it. So there, there is an absurd amount of coverage on ESPN.com from what I can gather when I go there. It's it's um it's it's a little much, but it makes you. Now I'm, I'll pose this question. And I, I think they would do something similar. But let's say Georgia and Georgia Tech were to one and two undefeated. Would ESPN provide this level of coverage, you think? I mean, I think it would be a ton of coverage, but I don't think it would be at, at this level. Because with of every – yeah, with, I think just because of the whole, you know, I think aura of the – Can you imagine how big it would be if it was Notre Dame Southern Cal? Yeah, that I, that's – the I, world would stop. I think if it was Notre Dame Southern Cal, they would find a way to have Charlie Weiss live in your home for a week. <laughs> I, I – I'm not sure how they'll pull that off, but you know, they do amazing things with technology these days. Mark May would like try to like freeze himself so he could <laughs> perpetually live in that moment of, of just the week before the Notre Dame USC game. And you know, I think that'd be interesting because you'd have uh, you know Lou Holtz, who is an ardent defender of all things Notre Dame, right. and understandably so. And then you have Mark May, who is just infatuated with everything Southern Cal. Yeah, um, I think Lou Holtz would would you know make one comment over the line. And Mark May would take a giant bite out of Lou Holtz's neck. <laughs> I think you're right about that. And I think they would find a way to insult Georgia somehow. Mm-hmm. They'd, they'd work that in there. Yeah, like he would bite it and then he'd spit like the neck hunk out the wall. <laughs> and it would like drip bloodily down the wall. 
And Mark Mayo would say, George would never be man enough to do that. <laughs> and then they cut to commercial. And no one would call him on it. <laughs> no, right. Because Mark Mayo just bit, bit Lou Holtz. You, know, you, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to mess with that guy. Reese Davis would just go, you guys, or something <laughs> like that. Reese Davis is from Ole Miss. I don't know. I, I've heard 18 different things about him. <laughs> Someone at some point in the past, like, 10 years has told me that Reese, Dav- Reese Davis is from every school in the SEC. <laughs> now, I, I don't think he's that bright of an individual. I, I don't think he's playing with a full deck. No, um, really. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. I, I think you watch it, he definitely loses control. And mind you, we're talking about the second-rate game day. It's, right, yeah. It's, I, I mean, you know... Game the, day light. You know, Fowler knows what he's doing. Yeah. He, you know, he and Herbstreit and Corso flow together pretty well. Um, this is... I still don't understand why they let Lou Holtz be on TV. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, it's... It's really painful to watch it. I, I definitely think now it's just for the comic value. And I think they know people just tune in just to see. I, I watch Lou Holtz, and I wonder how he had so much success at schools right. because I don't think he knows that much about football. Yeah. It's really it's really disturbing. I think he had some kind of computer program or like a book <laughs> or something, you know, that he just looked to all the time. College football for dummies or something like that. Well, now he ran, uh, he primarily ran lots of wishbone eye formation stuff. When he was at Notre Dame, and was he at Maryland before that? Arkansas. Arkansas. Then the Jets. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, William and Mary too, I believe. Really? You know, I went and saw Georgia play William and Mary in a homecoming back in the eighties. Did you? It was a boring game. Georgia won pretty big. Let's see if that actually happened. I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, Nineteen like eighty, eighty-seven they played Duke, and I went to that season opener. Is that right? Negative. Eighty-six they played Duke. Eighty-eight they played William and Mary. Homecoming. Yeah. Uh, Final score? Didn't say that. 59-24. They let William and Mary score 24 points in them? Yeah, well, it was probably late in the game. My cousin went to William and Mary. Why'd you pass me that media guy? I'm going to we'll, tell you. Uh, we'll find out. I'm going to read who was in the defense for Georgia that year. We'll, uh, we'll ask my cousin what he thought about that game. He was prob- might have been enrolled at that time, so he Media. probably had The defense featured Mo Lewis, NFL, Wycliffe Lovelace. Can you tell me who was the starting nose guard for the 88 team? Could not. I, I believe you know. Bill Goldberg. Oh, how about that? It was a junior, 6'3". This before my time. Paul Giles was defensive end. Richard Tardins was an outside mm. linebacker. Um, yeah, this really, I mean, this doesn't appear to have been the best defense. Starting quarterback in 88, can you tell me that? Uh, no. Wayne Johnson. <laughs> how about the two tailbacks who share time? Uh, I'll go with Rodney Hampton. Yes. And uh, I'll give you a hint, cocaine. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember. Tim Worley. Tim Worley, yeah, that's right. You know, I got Tim Worley's autograph at uh, Regency Mall in Augusta one time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Regency Mall is one happening place. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good time. Actually, I spent a long time on Sunday talking about Regency Mall. Really? With uh, John Hart and uh, and Sasha. They. Uh, I was a little curious as a former Augusta resident what was uh, the current status of Regency Mall. Apparently, a church has bought it. Really? Well, yeah. that's, you know, I'm glad the property's being used. You know, back in the day, because it was the larger mall, it was, I mean, it, it was, it dwarfed Augusta Mall in comparison. It was, it was the place you wanted to go to. It had a uh, A&W, like, a root beer shop in oh, there, wow. and they sold corn dog nuggets. And How we about always that? Some. Sounds gross. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when we were there, it was just a big, scary place that, yeah, it looked it like, like it three shops infested probably. with zombies. Yeah, I think it definitely would have fit the place where you would have wanted to hold up for a couple days. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good time. I, I, we're going to get back to Regency Mall because I think that's important. But you and your wife, and we've discussed this many, many times, speaking of zombies, 
I think this is interesting to open up to our podcast listeners. The zombie uh, survival scenario. Right. Can you can you can you walk me through that? The See, discussion. I, yeah, I can't remember it now. I always I always forget exactly what what Carrie's solution was. Uh, I think if you tell me yours, I can lead to what hers. I had always said that you would you'd want to um, you would want to stockpile just at, you want to get at least a, a massive amount of ammo and uh, some food. Uh, you'd want to just get into some place uh, like a, a very not tiny, but uh, a room or maybe an auditorium or something that only had one entrance. Okay. And uh, you would want to hole up there, blockade that, and you would just, you know, if anything ever happened, there would be one entrance you had to defend. You could, you could kill them when they came in. Yeah, this is what I always thought. What I thought, I, I thought the guy in Night of the Living Dead who wanted to hole up in the basement had the right idea where, where the, the hero wanted to try to defend every window and door in the entire house seemed a little... I didn't, I didn't really like that. I, I understood that he wanted to get some means of escape, but I think that if zombies are out there, you know, I think you, you have... All, you, what you're trying to do is just last for several days up to, you know, a week or two. If, if you're not going to get out, if zombies are around you right. for that long and you're not getting rescued, chances are you're going to be a zombie. Eventually it's going to happen, so you might as well give it as much of a fight as you can. Exactly. Yeah. Now, okay, I believe your wife's scenario, and I think we need to set the scene here. This is a night uh, Tim and Carrie had gone and um, had a couple drinks at, was it Sons, Sons of Italy? Yeah. Which and, is now gone, by the yeah, way. Which I think we discussed that briefly last yeah. time. Uh, so they were walking back to where they live in Five Points, and they got into a very passionate discussion about where would you want to go, and Tim made his argument. And Carrie argued, she, she countered that you would want to go to a deserted island uh, because then you would have plenty of resources and could live carefree. And Tim's counter to that was, what if zombies can swim? And I think that was proven in one of the movies. Yeah, just the most recent one, yeah. uh, Land of the Dead. Uh, they could swim, so you were kind of screwed. Because right. the they're folks, dead. And they, all they did was just jump in the water and they walked, on, they walked across on the bottom. That would kind of suck, I would think. Right. That was uh, the one where they hold up in the mall for a while. That's Dawn of the Dead. I have a girl at work, Carissa, who said that she favored uh, the mall scenario because of the ample resources at the mall. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And that, that's going to be the big problem with the one-room scenario is mm. getting the resources. You know, you, it's if you run out of something, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, I, I haven't really, you know... I haven't written a thesis on this or anything. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to, you know, ponder it a little bit longer. This was, but this was the gist of the argument the night that we were walking back from Sons, and uh, and we passed by a guy who was pretty much drunk in the back of a pickup truck, in the bed of a pickup truck, heard us talking about zombies, and then proceeded to let out a long, low zombie groan, uh, which was, you know, probably really entertaining for y'all as you were walking back. <laughs> yeah, and petrifying. Yeah. Um, on on a side note, I listened. Um, this is our second reference to Zahn, by the way, of this podcast. But he and I, I went with his family to Jekyll Island when we were in high school. And we proceeded to uh, rent, um, <laughs> or purchase, actually, a Night of the Living Dead um, audiobook to listen. It was a cassette we could listen to on the car. And it was like a play that was acted out. And it, you know, we were probably 14, maybe, mm. and um, had gone down there. And we had convinced his mother to put it in for the ride back, and it was full of lots of gratuitous profanity. Wow, okay, and yeah. really disturbing noises of brains being consumed. <laughs> um, so it, it was excellent. Um, 
That's good for but me. But if, yeah. if you can go to like a book warehouse and come across that, we highly recommend it. Um, I'd recommend anything with zombies in it. You're a big fan. Yeah. Um, wife has arrived downstairs. On the She heard us talking about zombies yes. and has decided to come down. So Zombie fanatic. The wife and I just returned from Disney World. Um, we had a nice time. Julie, can you tell us what your favorite ride was? Pirates of the Caribbean? That, well, I don't know. Soren? I'm not, this is not a trick question. It's whatever Soren. you like. Soren. It's a new new ride at Epcot. Wow. It sounds like a Japanese martial arts arcade game. <laughs> Soren. <laughs> yes. Well, there was that, that too. That too. Yeah. That too. That was a hang glider simulation over the uh, California oh, coast. Soren. Okay. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, right. S-O-A-R. I immediately I thought S-O-R-E-N. I don't know why. She, uh, the wife also returned from a CPE course in Macon today and got carsick and went back. <laughs> so it wasn't a pretty arrival Macon, for her. God forsaken. Oh. We, we might have some loyal listeners there. Don't, don't, don't discourage. Sorry. We love Macon. Scott Hartman lived there for a while. Really. Yeah, and Mamie Hartman. Yes. Those were good times. <laughs> yeah. Happier days. All right. <laughs> on, on our way to Macon, we actually saw the, uh, the building for WMAZ. Oh. Scott's old haunting uh, grounds there? The, the Starving heart, haunting grounds? I think the, the nickname is the Heartbeat of Georgia. Yeah. Did you cast a tear? Well, okay. I cast a tear because I was thinking. <laughs> all right. Wow, just the, the nonstop all naked right. bashing. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, I, I'm enjoying the zombie talk. We should probably get on to moving on to, real right. quick... We haven't done the Auburn game highlights, we promised that. So, Tim, what was it like in Auburn, uh, Georgia, you know? Yeah. I don't want to say shock the world, but <laughs> definitely shocked well, me. Well, yeah, we got up bright and early, and, uh, uh, left before left Atlanta before 6.30 in the morning, mm. about 6.25. Got in the car, driving down uh, 85, and we passed car after car after car, with flags blazing and you know bumper stickers, magnets, everything, just you know your normal drive to a tailgating. Sure. To a tailgate, um, must have passed at least upwards of forty to fifty cars with flags. Not one Georgia car. <laughs> All Auburn. I, we couldn't believe it. It was. It was by the end. It just got to be so comical. We were just laughing. And then right before we're in Opelika, we get we see one car. That has a Georgia flag on it, and we honk and carry, you know, waves at him and everything. And he comes speeding up back to like catch up with us, and he rolls down his window and he points to his hat, and it's a Notre Dame, it's a Notre Dame hat, <laughs> and he's pointing at it, and that was it. And then he drove, he drove away. So even the one car we did see that was Georgia had to make some point that he was like not really. I don't know if it was his girlfriend's car or something. <laughs> so anyway, we, um, you know, we we get to Auburn, and actually uh, talk to. Mostly, by and large, all very pleasant Auburn fans. And I think that was maybe a product of the fact that they thought they were going to kill us. Yeah. Uh, but we had a very, uh, it was fun, but it was, I'm sure, to the, uh, the, the passerby, a very sad, sad tailgate. Because we had forgotten, we thought there was a tent <laughs> at Scott and Mamie's house, but there was not. We thought there were some Georgia chairs there, and there was not. <laughs> Uh, so it was just me and Carrie uh, with the back of the scion propped open. We had one Georgia flag that we, the only way we could hang it up was to roll down the window of the car and then roll it back up. So it was <laughs> hanging down the car side. And we had one Georgia chair and one lime green chair. 
So we proceeded to sit there, uh, drink Bavaria's, actually, on your recommendation. It, it, it's, it's not bad, Not is bad, it? not bad at all. Uh, and, and we would, ate green olives. Um, hmm. Oh, we, just, we like green olives. Mm. But, uh, and then we came up with a new game, by the way. A new tailgating game that Carrie coined uh, Pit Spit. I really, I think the name self-explanatory. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we at, once you got to the you know the, the nice core the of the uh, the pit of the green olive, we would then try to spit it into a beer bottle. Where in the world? I mean, I know where you can purchase all, olives. What possessed you to have olives for this tailgate? Uh, we got really hooked on olives when we were when we went over to uh, Europe last year. We went to Spain. Everywhere in Spain, they give you a, this big jar, well, not jar, a big <laughs> bowl of olives. Every, Welcome to Spain! Yeah, here you go. Every restaurant you go to, uh, that we went to anyway, all these tapas places, they gave you this big bowl of olives. And uh, and so now we just, you know, we Carrie brought a couple um, times to the tailgate, marinated olives. I don't know if you saw this. Oh, I've had those. I think we actually have a jar in the fridge. My mom is a big fan of the, uh, the olives. So we just marinated one. We had eaten breakfast and we just wanted some, some light snacks. Um, yeah. So we brought some crackers, some cheese, and some some olives, and we got kind of bored. You know, it was just me and her, the only people there. So we started spitting olive bits into uh, beer bottles. <laughs> anyway, it's a long, complex system of rules that we came up with that we'll regale you with later. Uh, anyway, we went to the game. It was great. Uh, we, we were shocked, still shocked at the, you know, the lack of Georgia fans that were there. The Georgia student section, well. When I look at it now on the on the replays, mm-hmm. it looks pretty good, but I think that's just because a lot of the the dark blues, of the Auburn looked. fans, the jackets look like it was black when there's a lot of other black around it, and maybe some of that orange did the same with the red. Because when we were there, if you, <laughs> if you looked up from right in front of us, we were about thirty rows up, and there was about thirty rows behind us. We're probably right in the middle of that corner end zone yeah. where Craig Lumpkin scored yeah. and Trey Battle scored. Uh, right in front of us was mostly all Georgia fans, and then behind us, which is all supposed to be Georgia fans, it was more Auburn fans than there yeah. were Georgia fans, which they cleared out afterwards. But um, it was really fun um, near the band, so that was great. We had a nice, uh, we had like an 82 year old guy in front of us who would uh, jump up and down and then and hug us after every uh, after every <laughs> touchdown, which is also weird because we were there in 2002. For the Michael Johnson catch, we were standing in the ramps, the big circular ugly ramps that are up in Auburn. And when he caught that ball, two old uh, Auburn fans were, uh, were they were I'm sorry, Georgia fans were on there trying to beat the traffic, but they wanted to see that one last drive. And uh, when he scored, <laughs> I picked up that old guy. So and I almost threw him up over my head. <laughs> so I said, every time I come to Auburn now, I just have to hug old people. And I, I guess that's a rule, but that's that's pretty much it. Um. Now uh, the, the the your your record at Auburn is still unblemished. Then. Sterling three and zero, yeah. So you were there in ninety nine. No, I'm sorry, two thousand ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay. Uh, skipped two thousand, which we lost in overtime. Well, you skipped you skipped oh four as well. I, I was there in two thousand two. Skipped oh four. There in two thousand six. So I guess I got to skip two thousand eight. Yeah, that's a shame. So I, I guess it makes sense for me to go then because right, I you, am yeah, I'm my my Georgia Auburn record. I am now at Georgia Auburn games. I believe I'm 0-3, because oh, I went to the infamous Kevin Ramsey debacle. Was that 99? Nine, yeah. That was, um, that, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a game which always amazes me, not for the sheer ineptitude of Georgia's defense that day, but primarily because we were sitting in the upper student section. I guess that was a junior that year. And there was a gentleman who was probably in his 50s, a couple rows ahead of us, had smuggled in a whole cooler 
and he had like barbecue chickens in there and other food and then of course like a bottle of beam and then a bunch of beer and he was just passing it out and i remember one thinking how did he get that up here because i know we can't get that in here and then uh two tons of the university police and other security walking by and no one saying a thing to him mm. so that still stands out in my mind particularly because my roommate brian at the time had smuggled in the little mini things of beam on right. his socks right. and he went through like great lengths to hide them but this to, guy gets uh, a whole cooler yeah the only bright spot of that entire day well, we left. I think we left at halftime. I left at halftime too because it was pretty depressing. I think it was cold, and you don't want to see Ben Lear do that well against Georgia. Yeah, I had a, I had a that was the game where Kerry had bought me the uh, the foamy number one finger. Ooh, the infamous foamy number one. And finger. I ripped it into a million shreds <laughs> and threw it up in the air. <laughs> literally did, minutes after she had presented it to me as a gift. Did you uh, Did you bring that? Was it the 99 Tennessee game in mm. Knoxville where you got it the first time? Yeah, that's why she bought it for me. I, I, she had, I think she, that was stolen that game. Either I bought it or Carrie bought me that one for the yeah the Tennessee game. Yeah, and I brought it to the Tennessee game. The Tennessee fans stole it. Uh, you came and sat with us for a while that game. Exactly, that's right. Um, after, uh, I can't remember who, it, uh, Hen- uh, Jamie Henderson intercepted. Uh, right, yeah, okay. Whoever their quarterback was at the time. It had to be a Clawson. And we were we were pulling back into the game, of course, in the ensuing kickoff. I think they returned it for a touchdown. But uh, after we had, uh, at Tennessee, after Jamie Henderson had returned it for a touchdown, I put the filmy finger down behind me. It got stolen. So the, a couple weeks later, Kerry bought me a replacement filmy finger for and Auburn. And destroyed it. We went down 35 nothing at half, and I ripped it up into a million <laughs> shreds. Which then uh, our other friend, Hathaway Jones, I had left the actual number one finger intact. I didn't actually rip that into a million shreds, so he put that on his middle finger, ah, that was extending it to comical lengths, and then he flipped off all the Auburn fans. That's a good time. Yeah. Uh, one of my other highlights, um, I think Georgia was struggling against uh, a Vanderbilt, ironically enough, in one of my days when I was in school in the student section. Georgia ultimately won the game, but it was the fourth quarter, and I guess Vanderbilt was up or something like that, or Kentucky or someone like that, and... The this student behind me, it's just dead silent in the student section, and then he just hollers at the top of his lungs all of a sudden, come on, people, this is Vanderbilt. <laughs> it's like losing the Wake Forest. <laughs> and it was hysterical. But now if you look at this right. season with Wake Forest has one loss yeah, and be, Vanderbilt beat happy. Georgia, exactly. that'd be good if Georgia could do that well. I know. Well, let's go to our picks because we're you know rambling on and on and we on. we got to go through these fast. All right, let's, let's uh, move quick. Georgia has um, is off. This weekend. Bye and bye. So we'll go outside. Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. Yeah. I, I think the big question in this game is if uh, maybe 200 points will be scored. Yes. Uh, at least 100, I'm, I'm pr- fairly confident. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I keep predicting the Texas Tech collapse. Uh, Matt Tavrog, Matt. So I'm going to keep going with it. At home, Oklahoma State comes up with a victory. All right. There's a less miles coach for them anymore. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, then I'm going to pick Texas Tech in this one. I don't know a whole lot except Texas Tech scores a lot of points. So is Oklahoma State. They scored 62 last week, I think. Uh, Virginia Tech at Wake Forest. I'm going to jump right in here. The Wake Forest juggernaut cannot be stopped. They yeah. beat Florida as handily as they do on, a, not national, but I guess regional TV. That was Prime ESPN. Man, oh man. They, uh, and they look pretty good. They run the ball well, and they play pretty good defense. So I'll pick Wake Forest in this game. Actually, I think you're right. It was regional. Never mind. It was, it was SEC games on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I last week I would have said Virginia Tech just because I, I guess I still would have you know said that Wake was just Wake, but I watched them last weekend and they 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 feel real I guess. So they, I'm gonna say Wake. 
They have a Rutgers-like quality to them. They do, right. Yeah, I, I just can't keep picking against them. Uh, well, we know where we're going to go on this one. Maryland-Boston College. In Boston, though. Right, yeah. I know. This is this three-way you know, craziness at the top of the ACC Atlantic. Is it the Atlantic? <laughs> I don't Atlantic know. and Coastal? It's, it's one of those divisions. That's stupid. Uh, yeah, I, Maryland keeps the, – they'll win, I, I'm sure, but they're, they're going to win something like, you know, eight to six, you know, on some last-second field goal. Or, you know, Boston College is going to line up for a field goal at the end of the game and they block it. Maryland wins, but they it's it's by a point or two and it's low scoring. I'm, I'm going to – don't uh, beat me with that bottle right there, but I'm going to take Boston College in this game. Yeah, I understand. I mean, Maryland has no offense at all. <laughs> well, I mean, they they, uh, they they played they played good defense against Miami, but um, I, I I just I think Boston College at home is going to pull this one out. Cal at USC. I picked Oregon against USC last week. I think you did as well. But I'm going to keep with that trend. I'm picking Cal. I'm I'm picking that winning streak at home to end before the Notre Dame game, and uh, I'm going to go Cal on this one. I'm going to go with USC at USC. I think Cal now that. They, uh, they're coming off a loss to, was it Arizona? Uh, sure, it's one of those Pac-10 teams. Yeah. Uh, I think now with the Arizona and Tennessee loss, they, they don't got much to play for anymore. So I'm going to go with USC. Yeah, they, there's a holiday bowl berth in there for some reason. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, move to the exciting, always exciting, Big East, uh, West Virginia at Pittsburgh. Uh, this is kind of, a, kind of a tricky game. Yeah. I don't know. I think West Virginia is they're back on track and... I think they're going to roll. All right, I, I can go with it. I don't see Pittsburgh putting in much of a fight. West Virginia really played a pretty good game against um, Louisville. And actually, if, if Slayton probably hadn't missed that whole third quarter, they yeah. probably could have won that game. But um, I still think they're the, probably the best team. In, well, I say the best team in the conference. Rutgers really impressed me. But uh, West Virginia, I think, is playing too well. They'll, they'll win that game. Speaking of Rutgers, we've got Rutgers at Cincinnati. Um, this is a... Uh, this is the, the the game before the showdown, the, the, the third massive biggie showdown in like four weeks, uh, which will be Rutgers, West Virginia. But Scarlet Knights in Cincinnati, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's like massive letdown, letdown alert. But, um, you know, was it Mike Trangisi, isn't he, the commissioner of the, of the, of the Big East? Uh, sure. If he has uh, any pull, I'm sure he should tell all the Cincy players just to lay down for this one, let Rutgers cruise through the rest of the season. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm going to say since he gives it up for the Big East team and uh, let's Ruck, let Rutgers win. And, I, yeah, Rutgers was good. They, they really impressed me with their defense against Louisville. Yeah, and uh, Ray Rice is really, really good. He yeah, should. He I mean, he shouldn't win the Heisman by any means, but I think he should get an invite to be top I like five. all the crazy patterns he cuts into his hair. And, and, well, I mean, yeah. that alone should, yeah. should get him. But, uh, but he's, 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 he's very fast. I didn't realize how fast he was. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I think Rutgers wins this game and sets up the – the showdown of all showdowns with the Mountaineers the following week in Morgantown. Um, Actually, I think Rutgers, doesn't Rutgers have one more game to go? I think it's Cincinnati, then that. I'm not entirely sure. You do a little research, and I'll start talking about Tennessee Vanderbilt. Okay. Um, you know, I'd pick Vanderbilt in this one, but I don't want to. Um, because even though Tennessee has lost its last two games, they've both been to teams which are pretty solid teams. LSU and uh, Arkansas are both really, really good. And Arkansas has is is really before the season I thought Arkansas was going to be really good they looked pretty lousy against Southern Cal they didn't play well the next two or three games and then after the Auburn game they played lights out so now I'm really high on Arkansas which of course means Razorbacks will lose to LSU no matter what 
Um, all that said, um, what I'm really talking about is Tennessee Vanderbilt, and I'm picking volunteers in that one. Okay, well, I don't know if it's going to be this game or Kentucky, but I say Tennessee loses one more game Ooh. just to complete the, uh, the what looked like a complete turnaround for Tennessee but would turn into another complete miserable failure. <laughs> so I, I, that, I have to believe that God would let that happen. And, yes, Rutgers has to play Cincinnati this week, then they're home against Syracuse, and then they're at West Virginia on the all 2nd of December. Right. okay. So there's still there's, there's still a some, lot yeah. there's a lot of football left. Yeah, in the that's not over for the Scarlet Knights. Um, the uh, two big rivalry games: Auburn, Alabama this week. Um, I have no idea what to pick in this game because the Tide aren't really that good, but Auburn looked horrible last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, Georgia played really really well, but when the, when Auburn looks bad, they look bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely have their confidence shattered right now, I think. But, I mean, anything will, you know, if anything gets you back together, it's a big rivalry game like this. Alabama just, I don't know. I, I just, Shul's got to win, or Alabama's got to win sometime. So I'm going to go with Alabama at Tuscaloosa. Auburn coming off a bad, bad loss. Brandon Cox must be scared to throw anything besides a you know lateral. So did he play the whole game, or did they take him out? They took him out on the very, very last drive with like 40 seconds left, and they put in a guy from Georgia. Actually, I think his name was Field. He it's hard to I me. Mean, he had all his interceptions, but he only threw the ball 12 times. 12 times, yeah. But I mean. <laughs> Those balls he threw were, I mean, they were... Four of them were the Georgia players. I know. I I mean, there's nothing on them. Absolutely nothing. Do we think he was possibly drunk, maybe? I don't know. He was pretty punchy. when uh, He looked like uh, every time one of our guys got within about two feet of him after we intercepted a ball, he was pushing him and screaming at him. So he was still pretty feisty. Yeah, just just too bad he was was terrible. Well, not too bad for us. Um, I, I... Alabama really isn't good. Yeah, um, good I mean, I—they're not well coached. They don't. I haven't since Shula has been there. This is third year, fourth year, third year, fourth year. Third. I—I I think it's his fourth because he was hired oh, before. Be. I don't think they know how to play offense because they are always scoring seven or nine points a game. Yeah. I really don't think they know how to score, and their defense is solid. It's okay. They can do what they can do to win, but. I think Auburn, there's no way they play that bad in consecutive weeks. Their defense is too good. And, I mean, Kenny Irons, I thought, was really good. But perhaps I'm just wrong. Well, um, he too didn't get – he only had 10 carries. We, they, only, they only ran 35 plays. So, I mean, crazy. We had the ball the entire time. So, I mean, it's not like the oh, – well, you know, Kenny Irons had what, 10 carries for almost 50 yards. So he was still running pretty well when he okay. got the chance to run. They just never had the ball. Well, I, I'll pick Auburn at this one, even though it's at Bama. And then um, the greatest game in the history of the spoken word um, <laughs> will happen this weekend. Ohio State, Michigan, in Columbus. Um, you, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do our own 360 for it, maybe. Um, <laughs> no way. I would never take part in that. <laughs> um, so, Tim, who do you like in Ohio State, Michigan? I'm going to say Michigan State, 32, Ohio again, 31. Well, all right. Um, I have no idea who you picked because of that. I don't care. I mean, I don't know. Ohio State because it's at home. All right, I like that. I, I'm picking Michigan because I think they're. I actually think they're better. I've been saying they're better for a long time. Their defense is crazy, and um, that's that's where it is. I'm going to go with right. the Wolverines. Um, so I just think they're 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 good. 
so that's what we got. We rambled. Uh, this might be a record. We're approaching. <laughs> we're approaching an hour. It's. I think we got off into a track of zombies and then OJ. Disney World and yeah. OJ. So it happened. These things happen every once in a while. But uh, thanks for sticking with us. We'll uh, we'll talk to you folks next week.